Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 105. We are discussing the DP World Tour Championship on the European Tour and the RSM Classic on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Bank System, and with me we have Golf Bank Systems European Tour expert Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Steve. How are you? Well, it's the end of an era, isn't it? It's the end of 2019 in terms of Golf Bank System. It is, yeah, yeah. We've had a, a long, was forty six weeks of uh, action over the uh, over the course of this year. Been fun at various points. Been frustrating a lot of time. But uh, well, tell me about it. That's <laughs> the, the way this game goes from uh, time to time, isn't it? I think you had uh, Victor Perez in the playoff week before last, and then I had Harris English this or the week just gone. Mm. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's when you look at when you look at a profit and loss, you see the the pluses and the negatives. It's the one, it's the ones that hurt you. It's though it's those juicy forty, fifty to one shots that end up coming second, or they're the ones that yeah. make the big difference, aren't they? Yeah, it's just nice to get a couple of them over the line, isn't it? And it um, is. yeah, so, some seasons you can get a roll and you get a few on the trot, and it's uh, it's all rosy. In mm-hmm. Other years, it's. Um, the winners are a little bit more difficult to come by, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep plugging we'll away. Keep going, though, won't we? Steve. We always we'll keep, keep going, going at golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Naturally, we're available on social media. Did you see that? That segue that's good. You can join our golf betting system Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Paul is available on Twitter at golf betting. I'm at Bamford Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the golf betting show every week. I've just recorded. The RSM Classic Show. This podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Buzzsprout, YouTube, you name it, it's available. Now, last week, Paul, we asked the listeners to please leave us a golf review on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, and we would read it out at the start of this, our last show of 2019. And thanks to Brian H., in New Zealand, of all places, Paul, we've made it to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, it must be, that's that's a first, I think, from from New Zealand. For, we've made it to yeah, us. it is. We've had Australia, but this is New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Twenty four hour flight. Eh? Very good. Yeah. Very good. He's entitled the review "Golf Nerd," and he's given us five stars. So, Brian, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Love the podcast. I'm listening from New Zealand every single week. I'm a big fan of the detail you go into, and it really helps me decide on my picks. So, Brian H., thank you very much for the time you've taken and for the review you have given. Yes, thanks, Brian. Very much appreciated. Uh, What do we always talk about? Yeah, last week, it was all a bit of an anti-climax in the end, wasn't it? I know... With Paris, yeah. I think... you and I were probably the first out of the kind of tipsters last week. I managed to get fifty-five to one on him. I think he went off as short as twenty-five to one. It he seemed did. like everyone in the golf betting community was on English. I did. I don't think I read a preview that didn't put Harris English up last week. He was that popular, mm. um, and you could tell by the the tweets and the atmosphere on Twitter that a, a hell of a lot of people were. Was sitting waiting for Harris English to convert on uh, on Monday. Just, just didn't have it at the end, did he? But um, you know, it's another one to. It's it's all about uh, mental notes. I think English will win at some point. Um, mm. 
hopefully it'll be better than the price it is on offer this week. The value has been totally sucked out of, of Harris English's price. Brendan Todd actually uh, tends to... You, you look at the past performances, don't you? And, you know, only idea... It tends to be top quality elite players can go back to back. You wouldn't put Brendan Todd in that category. But when he did win previously, he did then have a very hot streak after his win at the Byron Nelson, where he was top five for three or four outings afterwards. So there was yeah. something in that. Yeah, so but you just don't you don't tend to see in the wraparound season players going back to back. It just doesn't happen. So no. I instantly really just put a line straight through his name. You yeah, go back, 110 to 1. Meow. <laughs> it was a longer price to win last week than he was to win the uh, to win the Bermuda, and it, you know it clearly just shown that he was in some tip top form. Wow. Um, I know. I know it was. A, I know it was a stronger field last week, um, and you know yeah. you've got to bear that in mind. But I think you're right. I think people, you know, and bookmakers and uh, and punters alike will look at a player like that and think, well, you know, you, you've got your win. You, you're down tools for the yeah. rest of the season, and uh, you know. Get yourself up to the uh, tournament of champions, and uh, and then then start again in twenty twenty. But clearly, that that wasn't his agenda, was it? Oh, and we said, didn't we? Oh, oh, Brendan Todd got history, did well at Pebble Beach, so you could see how he would been at Bermuda, and and he was going to miss the cut at the shell at the Houston Open, and all of a sudden he got that. Um, I think it was sixty four in round two, made the cut, and then finished like he got just got into this huge momentum roll. And you just didn't think that that would happen again, but a hundred to one in retrospect was a fantastic price. Yeah, and he, to be fair, his nearest challenger looked like it was Vaughan Taylor, and then Taylor cracked in on um, he, he cracked Monday as well. Yeah. not as badly yeah. as English. And no, the other, the, the, chance, other the other one I did did think of tipping, but didn't was Carlos Ortiz. So I'm, I was there or thereabouts, but. Yeah, Todd, outstanding. Mm. That's he, he now three, it up again this week, doesn't it? You think it through, Paul. That's now clearly this season. Uh, the rest of this season, he's exempt. He's then exempt for another three years, and that's through two tournaments of golf. Yeah, massive, massive move for him career-wise. And yeah, it shows, it shows you, doesn't it? You can, you know, these players can suddenly find that. Uh, that purple patch of form and completely resurrect a career that was, you know, that, that disappeared. You know, he, he was struggling to swing a club yeah, at one yeah. point, wasn't he? He's now in Augusta. He's now in the PGA Championship next year. He's now at the Century Tournament of Champions, although he was in that already. Um, it's just, it's just fantastic. You know, it's going to take. He would need to drop off a cliff really not to get very deep into the FedEx Cup playoffs, stroke to a championship mm. next year now, with two yeah. wins. Yeah, Very good. Big head start. Big head start. He just looked so cool under pressure, didn't he? Mm. I know he missed one three footer on the on the on the second green yesterday, but um, apart from that, just to close yeah. that out when when uh, it didn't uh, Ortiz, actually matter, did it? No, Ortiz was in the hutch, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, if he'd have bogeyed the last, it was a playoff, but just it was cool. What did you make of the action in um, in? In South Africa, Sun, with... yeah, in Sun City, yeah, no, it's, I, I, it's always a track I like. It's always a, a tournament I like, and uh, it's a testing setup. And even though, even even in the years when you can get a really 
deep under par score, there's still scope for you know, a, a, a tough day or a tough round or you know some players who just simply cannot handle it, even though some players can, will clearly go out and shoot birdie after birdie after birdie, like Louis Oosthuizen did on um, on Thursday. It's yeah. interesting with Oosthuizen, isn't it? Because all of this kidney stones issue only came out on Thursday and um, you know you look back and had there been any inkling that he had that kind of problem how how many people would have been backing him at uh, you know as the short price favorite and um, yet he went still went out with that you know that that issue hanging over him and shot an incredible round on Thursday to put himself in pole position but it's uh, it just couldn't maintain it, and I guess that's part of that's fatigue, and part of that is probably related to it as well. But uh, he's never actually been that brilliant a finisher, anyway. He's never never been that kind of player who rattles off win after win after win, even from the positions that he gets in. So I don't think it was a massive surprise to see him not no. convert that. But uh, never won in the United States, has he? Never won on the PGA Tour. No, no. I know he has a PGA Tour victory with his Open Championship, but he's never physically won in the United States. No, and he's you know he's got he's got the game to contend at a lot of um, you know a lot of big big events, isn't he? A lot of big tracks mm. in in South Africa itself. He's got an outstanding record, but um, you know that's clearly a, a stronger field than playing in the South African Open or the Schwanee Open or whatever. You know, this is it's different different kind of level but ultimately that final round from Tommy Fleetwood and, and he, even Tommy made some mistakes coming home but um, proved to be just about good enough three eagles in a round is always going to be very positive for your um, for your scorecard so so yeah well done to Tommy that puts him in a decent position in the race to Dubai as well so uh, it does keep that element alive for him and um, from my perspective Lee Westwood was the player that got closest to to winning um, and to be fair he, he was a long way behind Louis after day one he was still five shots off even though he put a decent birdie free or bogey free round in on the uh, no Friday did for Westwood didn't it really? yeah it, 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 I, from what I saw we did see quite a lot of him on the on the coverage um, his game looked in really good shape um, it, it actually his putting didn't look bad either he just he just they weren't dropping. He wasn't hitting bad putts. They just just weren't quite dropping. But uh, he knows how to get around that course. And to be fair, for him to hang on to get a share of sixth place, which gave us a fifty percent payout on the each way, that uh, that was certainly better than nothing um, at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, the number that got me with Fleetwood, as you would expect with Tommy, was that he was coming like fortieth in putting for the week. Yeah, yeah, it's all down to. Um, down, down to his tee to green game, and that was that was back on where we'd expect it to be with Tommy Fleetwood, particularly on the par fives. He was hitting a lot of the fives in two, and uh, if, if you can score in the fives around that mm. track and and hang on to a lot of the others, two putt birdies, difficult. yeah, yeah, Doesn't come through in his putting stats, does it? So interesting. No, no, exactly. And uh, yeah, but fourteen to one for Fleetwood. This is trouble, isn't it? It's, it's just an awful <laughs> yeah. price. It's just one of those kind of well, Tommy's won at fourteen to one. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, there wasn't, you know, there, there wasn't the kind of incoming form to smack you around the face and say, you know, Tommy's got to be back to fourteen to one. It just wasn't there. It's, it's one of those, as you say, you know, you, you kind of leave it prices, and if he wins, he wins. But uh, he did win in, in in some style, so um, we'll give him, we'll give him that uh, accolade at least. Right, 
Let's talk DP World Tour Championship then. Do you have you got your head around the uh, what the winning scenarios are for the race to Dubai? Has that been forthcoming? Yeah, the European it's, tour? yeah, it's, it's it's a bit more convoluted than some years because sometimes we've gone into this event and um, actually it's all done, isn't it? It's all done, dusted, and uh, it's, it's all about the actual actual event itself rather than who can do what in terms of the uh, in terms of the actual race to Dubai itself. But there is oh there are five players now who have a mathematical chance of winning the race to Dubai, which is the the most I can remember for a few years actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Viesberg is clearly still in pole position. He, he actually had a good week. He started off sh- quite slowly last week and then uh, eventually got himself up to a tie for third, which has put him in a really strong position. Yeah. So if he finishes first or second, that will be good enough regardless of what anyone else in the field does. So from his perspective, he can finish second um, or win the tournament. doesn't matter. Anyone else cannot catch him. And as a result, he is 6-4 to four on favourite to win the race to Dubai. So it's clearly all in his own hands. But finishing first or second at the earth course when you've got a very strong field is not... The easiest of tasks. No, no, no. Um, Fleetwood and Ram, they're very similar in terms of their scenarios. Fleetwood's four to one to win it. Ram is ten to three, hundred to thirty to win the race to Dubai. Both of them need to win, and both of them need Wiesberger to be worse than solo second um, for them to to uh, to win the race to Dubai. So, for their perspective, it's actually it's an identical scenario, really. And Shane Lowry needs to win and Wiesberger needs to be outside the top two and the other two need to have a poor week as well. So Fleetwood and Rahm um, with Matt Fitzpatrick, who has the other mathematical chance. He needs a win and the others really need to help him out. They've got to finish quite a way down the uh, down the leaderboard. So Fitzpatrick's 33 to 1 to win the race to Dubai. Lowry's 25s because his scenario is slightly better. But uh, I think, for all intents and purposes, it's a three-horse race. Should, and yeah, unless we see the likes of a Lowry or Fitzpatrick um, actually come and win the title, which would then make things a little more interesting. But uh, yeah, it's nice to have those scenarios, and that adds an extra dimension to the uh, to the event this week. The players themselves, race to Dubai aside, and are going to be very interested in winning this title because, as we've seen over the last two weeks, the European Tour have upped the winning proportion of the uh, of the purse for these um, these final three events. So the winner here this week will get a massive three million dollars as oh, wow. the first prize. That is, is chunky, even by PGA Tour standards. Major t- t- standards. Well, yeah, that is chunky. Ma- Majors, you're talking nearly two million, aren't you? So for, mm. for someone to be raking in three million pound as the tournament winner, that is yeah. a big, big number. Didn't uh, didn't Fleetwood take? Is it two and a half mil? Yeah, so he week? got two and a half. Till Hatton and um, two million for the uh, for the Turkish. So mm. they've clearly thrown some money at it, and clearly trying to get more players to be interested yeah. in in playing these final events. You remember last year, it was pretty poor. We had the likes of uh, Justin Rose, who was third going into the final event, and didn't turn up, didn't mm. want to play. So they needed to do something, and I think they've you know they've, they've simply thrown some money at the problem to see if they can uh, attract the right level of players to come and actually play these final three events. And um, I guess it's worked in this respect because of the fifty players, they've locked it down to fifty rather than sixty this year. 
Of the 50 players who qualified, 49 of them are here. The only one who isn't here is Tony Finnell. Um, so the other 49 have all turned up this week, which um, I think is some um, reward to the European Tour for taking the stance on the, uh, on the on the prize money this week. So in that respect, I think it has worked. Um, it does leave an, an interesting market, because as I said, it's only 50 players. Um, no cut, as you'd expect. Rory McIlroy is the clear 4-1 to favourite for the event. As you'd expect him to be, he's, uh, he seems to have turned the corner um, in terms of his form over the last few weeks and months. And he must have a very strong eye on taking that uh, world number one spot before we get to Augusta now. Uh, particularly with Brooks Kepka still struggling a little bit with this injury and um, you know, unlikely to play a, a lot of events over the next few months, I guess. Um, it's a big opportunity for Rory to, to get himself back to where I guess he feels that he belongs. Yeah, the other thing with Rory this week, just to let listeners know, I mean, I, t- I spoke to Paul about this off mic. The only bet I'm having that involves the DP World Tour Championship is I'm, I'm having a Rory McElroy Hideki Matsuama double. Hideki goes in Japan at the uh, Dunlop Phoenix. Uh, the Dunlop, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's up against... Uh, Gary Woodland and they've got Colin Morikawa to go over there. Mm. Um, and clearly McElroy is very short in terms of this as he should be. Yeah. The only thing I would say, Paul, is that don't forget he's won the Tour Championship, the FedEx Cup. If he goes and actually then wins the DP World Tour Championship as well, he's won the two closing Blue Ribbon tournaments on each yeah. tour. Yeah, and, and, and uh, that's the Frans- kind of thing that, for me, motivates him. Yeah, well, he can't win the race in Dubai, so the no, second no, no. best would be to to, to get that uh, mm. to get that double as well. And you know, in terms of in terms of trousering a, a decent uh, mm. decent amount of money, that. Um, and then, of course, yeah, as you said, you've got this world number one mm. situation. Mm. With an in, there, with a purportedly it? injured. Number one at the moment yeah. in terms of Brooks Kepka. Yeah, yeah, there's, uh, there's certainly the uh, the motivation for him to go and uh, go and play well this week. The only, I mean, if you try and pick holes in players of the likes of Rory McIlroy, who's playing, you know, some very very good golf at the moment, the only one I could really find is that he's using a new caddy this week, um, which sometimes takes a little time to, to gel and to, to, to work together so um, we'll see how that goes but I mean really you know you're clutching at straws trying to trying to pick a hole in, mm. in Rory McIlroy's chance this week well, we shall see it doesn't I, always I, go to I, I don't know what his schedule is I don't know if he's due to play for the rest of this year after this I, I don't think he's playing Tigers tournament no so, there's, there's, no, there's no real reason for him to play unless this is you know one of the uh, one of the events where he's been thrown some some no, decent but it will certainly if he was to win this take a huge chunk out of Kepka's lead in the uh, ranking yeah, yeah. that would be three big wins in the space of seven mm. starts for him which in OWGR ranking points perspective that's a huge move forward yeah, we shall see. We shall see. So Rory's four to one favourite. Um, John Rahm seven to one in spots. He's he's veering towards thirteen to two, and I think he'll go off at thirteen to two. All of the sevens will be um, hoovered up very quickly. So if you fancy a bit of John Rahm, I'd, I'd move quite quick if I were you. 
Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, 16 to 1. Uh, Patrick Reed, Till Hatton, 18s. Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Rose at 20s. Uh, Louis Oosthausen, 22 to 1. If you think that he can overcome the issues that he's got in terms of his kidney stones and, uh, and clearly blowing what was a good chance last week. We shall see. Henry Stenson, 25s. Bernd Wiesberger. So Bernd Wiesberger is in pole position and can win the race Dubai with a first or second place finish is 30 to 1 to win the tournament. And clearly he's going to be massively motivated. We talked about Wiesberger and the fact that he looked like he'd... Uh, yeah, struggling. You know, it's, it's, he's been struggling a bit and perhaps the pressure had got to him, but um, I think he's got his head around that now. Yeah. You know, Clearly from last week he's... Uh, he's, he's took Yeah, he's, he's taken a step in the right direction, so... That thirty to one of Wiesberger might be a um, quite a, quite a generous price when we look back um, after the event, but we shall see. At the Earth Course, then uh, Greg Norman design seven thousand six hundred seventy seven yards. It plays nowadays past seventy two. Um, it's no altitude like last week, so it is a proper seven thousand six hundred yard test. It will play its full length, and particularly as we're due to get thunderstorms on Wednesday of this week so the day before the event there's going to be circa well there's forecast to be circa a an inch of rain to fall on the course which is fairly unusual for Dubai I must say um, and that will soften it up a little bit and it will most likely make it play a little bit longer and um, a little bit softer than it does ordinarily so one of the one of the reasons some of the shorter players have succeeded reasonably well over the over the years at the earth course is because it should play firm and fast and you get a lot of rollout on the fairways if you can if you can hit the fairways but um, if it has um, taken a fair amount of rain and it will drain and it will dry and it will get firmer and faster as the event goes on but um, for Thursday in particular, if that rain and that thunderstorm does arrive, then that could make it play really quite uh, quite long on Thursday. Uh, wide fairways, large Bermuda grass greens. When when it's firm and fast, they get the greens up to around about 12 and a half on the stimp. So um, they were similar kind of speed last week at the Nedbank, and it does cause some challenges. It does, for, for a European tour event, that is pretty quick. I know you guys over on the, PGA Tour are fairly used to kind of 12 stimp greens, but yep. uh, on the European Tour, it tends to be um, a little bit slower than that. So these will be relatively uh, relatively fast for the players this week. Um, after those thunderstorms, we should be looking at warm, dry, sunny conditions, what you'd expect from Dubai, really. Uh, light winds um, into the 80s Fahrenheit. So I expect scoring, particularly if it is a little bit softer, um, to to start the event, I expect scoring will be really quite low. And over the years, we've seen scoring, winning scores range from 14 under. Um, that was Robert Carlson in 2010, um, all the way to 25 under when Henrik Stenson won in 2013. So in the right conditions, this course can reap an awful lot of birdies, despite the fact it's nearly 7,700 yards in, in length. Um, going back to the actual winners then, um, since 2010, the prices, Robert Coulson, 50 to 1. Uh, 2011, Alvaro Quiros, 40 to 1. I actually had both of those winners over those two years. It was um, a nice little, work, nice little event for me back in the day. Uh, 2012, Rory McIlroy, 6 to 1. Stenson at 11 to 1. I had him as well, actually, 2013. Uh, 2014, Stenson retained at 17 to 2. 
2015, Rory McIlroy won again at 5-1. to one. So that was four consecutive short price winners there. Then Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick broke that trend in 2016, 66-1. John Rahm, 12-1 on debut in 2017. And then Danny Willett won last year at 80-1. to one. That was a big old price for Danny because he'd been seriously back the week before, having shown some form the week before that. And, um, and uh, he, he absolutely bombed at the net bank. So everyone left him alone, and then, uh, then then he then he goes and wins at the DP World Tour Championship the week after, and uh, everyone's uh, slapping their foreheads and uh, wondering why they didn't uh, stay on him for another week after after the week before. But that's the way it goes in golf betting, isn't it? Week oh, after, absolutely, right, so. absolutely. I, the one thing that does stick out from the stats all all of the all the winners here going back to even when uh, the first event which was uh, Lee Westwood won in 2009 all of the winners had ranked top 16 for driving distance in the week so with a 60 man field they were in the kind of top 25% or thereabouts in terms of driving distance greens and regulation works here and um, the higher the better you need to putt well on the Bermuda greens and all the winners had at least a top seven finish in their last six starts. So a bit of a bit of recent form also goes down very nicely. And if you're looking at the actual course form, Westwood and Colson, the, the two early winners, um, were clearly making their debut because the, the event hadn't been around for long. Uh, John Rahm was making his debut, as I just mentioned, but all of the other winners had some positive form. I think every one of them had at least a top seven finish here prior to their win. So... Looking at decent form at the earth course is no bad place to start, I don't think. Decent desert form in general, and you've got the likes of the Qatar Masters, you've got the likes of the Abu Dhabi Championship and the Dubai Desert Classic earlier on in the season. Um, there's definite correlation there. Again, a lot of these players, a lot of these winners that I've just mentioned have won either the Dubai Desert Classic or the Qatar Masters at various points back in their career. So looking at players who performed well at those events, um, not just this year, but you know clearly they played earlier, earlier in the spring this year. But so going back in previous years as well, again that's not a bad place to start, I don't think. And throwing it all into the mix, then I've gone for four players this week, and I, I pondered about whether to just put all my eggs in the win only Rory McIlroy basket, but. Um, this caddy scenario was probably the only thing that I could pull as a, a negative and you know four to one do I really want to round the season off with uh, with all my eggs in a four to one basket and, uh, and and see him put a poor first round in which Rory McIlroy can do and we have seen it um, and we've seen it relatively recently and uh, at that kind of price you're not going to get any joy for the rest of the uh, rest of the four days so I've left it alone I've left John Rahm alone who's not played for what six or seven weeks now so um, if he'd have been serious if he'd have seriously wanted to win this race to Dubai title he'd have played one of the events between uh, the, the Spanish Open and now which he hasn't done so um, I'm quite happy to leave him alone but again you know he's got a cracking record here and uh, He's got a cracking record on the European Tour generally, hasn't he? The thing I noted with Ram is, because of this new schedule, he hasn't played for a, a very long length of time between that Spanish Open victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think that's that's a great scenario coming to something like this when you've got such a high-quality field. 
No, I see. It's, it's an odd one, isn't it? Because I mean, the year he won it, he played the HSBC, not particularly well, but he played in he played in Shanghai a couple of weeks before this. Yeah. So at least not he was the, still playing active golf. He was twelve to one, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Not the not the rust off a little bit, at least. But um, well, that's yeah, a big gap it, without playing. It's like it is. is it nine, ten weeks, something like that? Yeah, it might be seven, but it's, it's certainly mm. it's certainly long enough to make you think that you know how how much where is the hunger really there for him to go out and take this title? But he, he, you know, we we know John Ryan, we, we know how. Um, Capable mm. the guy is, and um, it is seven weeks. Yeah, I'm just looking. Yeah, I, I don't think it would um, surprise anyone to see him, see him go over the line. But again, there were question marks there when you're backing a player who's seven yeah. to one. It was going to be. I was faced with exactly the same problem with Webb Simpson. Not mm. that I'd ever back Webb Simpson at short as seven to one for a bloke that has has only won once since 2013. But yeah. um, he hasn't played since the Shriners, which was exactly the same week as the Open Dispania. And that, to it's me, a is a time, long time off, mate. It's a long time off. Mm. Yeah, so I guess, you know, I, I, you're probably trying to justify it. I'm trying to justify not backing these players and picking out any kind of tenuous reason. Well, the price can, makes you do that, doesn't it? Mm. But yeah, absolutely. You, you've got, you know, it needs to be almost bulletproof if you're backing a four to one or six or seven to one shot. So I've left them alone. I've gone further down the field with four each way punts, and hopefully, if one of those can um, win or get a couple in the places, uh, um, then that can pay far, far more than backing a four or six to one shot. So, um, first up, I've stuck. I've stayed patient with Lee Westwood, who I backed at the top of my preview last week. Um, and as I say, he did return us a, a part of the each way money last week. And I think really he's moving in the right direction. His game, his long game looked good. Um, as I said, his generally his putting looks looks solid. And he was to me, he was a little bit unlucky. He was burning a lot of edges and didn't get frustrated. The big smile on his face. He seemed to be really positive and um, seems happy. I think the work that he's doing with Robert Rock, and Robert Rock's picking up an awful lot of players now. There's clearly a lot of people who um, see him as a, um, a talented and capable coach, and, and Lee Westwood's working with him as well. And I think the uh, the work that they're doing is starting to come to fruition. You know, you've, you've seen him finish tenth in Turkey, sixth last week, and uh, you know, he used to say that he doesn't keep that sequence going and really push to contend for this title here, which he has won before, and. Um, Desert forms grey. He's got three runner-up finishes at the Dubai Desert Classic. He was second in Abu Dhabi back in the past, third and fifth in Qatar. Um, he won the inaugural event here in 2009. And the year that he won that, he was absolutely unstoppable. He, he hit 85% of fairways, 92% of greens. He was led the field in scrambling. He was fifth for putting. You put that combination together, that's, that's going to get the job done pretty much wherever you go. 92% of greens in regulation and part fifth best in the field. No one's going to get close to you in that, I don't think. Um, and no one did. He won by six. Absolutely sauntered to the win in 2009. And uh, if you can take some positive vibes from that and couple with couple it with the fact that he is playing some really good golf at the moment, I think he can uh, he can at least reward each way backers here. At 60 to one, I took six places each way. A fifth of the odds with bet Fred. Um, and again, in a 50-man field, six each way, and you can get seven each way with some firms who are offering uh, lower prices, but that was a market-leading price from Betfred and six play, six places each way out mm. of a, a field of 50. I thought that was um, I thought that was well worth taking. So, um, Does he remind you a little bit of Danny Willett last year? 
Yeah, potentially, although he's in better form, I think, coming into it than, than Danny Willett was. Mm. But I think you've got these kind of um, former momentum players at the top of the market who um, just look prohibitively short to me. Westwood's always been that kind of player. I can remember getting on him twenty or back in 2013 or 14 in the FedEx Cup. He's the kind of bloke that lines up top five performances, always has been. Mm. Yeah. When he's confident. Yeah, when he's when he's confident and feeling happy about his game, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, uh, there's there's no pressure on him here. There's no pressure on him to perform in terms of his um, race to Dubai position. It's just go out and play your golf. And mm. I think he 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 probably feels that he's capable of beating a lot of the players in this field. And actually, I, I I tend to agree with that. So so yeah, quite happy to uh, quite quite happy to stay patient with Westy this week and see how he gets on. Um. Sergio Garcia, I've also backed at fifty to one. Again, this comes, you know, I've talked talked about some of the players who are in the kind of 18, 20, 25 to one bracket this week. Sergio Garcia, fifty to one this week. Mm. Um, and you look at his recent form, and you can see why he's been priced at that level. He's had three relatively poor outings at the CJ Cup, the um, it was the Zozo Championship as well as the WGC. Um, HSBC but you go back before that he won in Holland he was 7th in the Spanish Open he wasn't playing some some bad golf the fact I like is that he's won in both Qatar and he's also won the Dubai Desert Classic going back over the years he's got a great record in the, in the desert generally but those two wins marry perfectly with Henrik Stenson who's also won both of those two um, titles and clearly is t- a two-time winner here at the Earth Course as well um, eight attempts here at the Earth Course, no worse than 21st. He's finished ninth, he's finished fourth, is his best outing. And for me, the, the, the course suits. Um, he's coming in off a lighter schedule than a lot of his other peers here, here this week, so he should be fresher. And he also na- announced, I'm sure you saw this in the um, in the press and also on Twitter, that he announced last week that he and Angela are expecting their second baby in April. And if you go back to when he announced that they were expecting their first, he probably went and won the week after at uh, Valderrama a couple of years back. So, um, you know me, I like a, I like a trend, I like a quirky fact like that. So uh, perhaps that will give him, the, you know, once he's uh, shook hands with everyone and got, you know, a, a number of pats on the back and uh, congratulations, perhaps he'll go out and uh, and prove the book is wrong and convert 50 to 1. That's just, that for a player of Sergio's quality, um, it's a big price. It is a big price. And maybe you backed him a couple of weeks back as I well. I did. I backed him at the... Um, I thought he was going to have a really good outing at the CJ Cup. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Because that yeah. course suits him down to the ground. It's all mm. about being aggressive, and, you know, big, long driving, just, you know, like when he won at Augusta. And uh, he just did very little. Whether whether he took it seriously, who knows? Did he get out there early? No, I don't know. You'd never know, but did very little. I noticed there were yeah. slight improvements in Shanghai with him. I think he had one round where he was in the top seven. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put say uh, sixty-seven or sixty or sixty-eight or sixty-nine mm. together, which was one of the better rounds of the uh, of the day. So uh, yeah, little little sparks of form, and um, you know he'd, he'd have known for a while that Angela was expecting. So clearly, keeping it all secret can uh, can have a you know, effect on your mentality. And now yeah. it's all out in the open. Perhaps he'll go and. Uh, unleash um, some winning form we shall see we shall see a couple of long shots to finish then um, 
first up Justin Harding who I got a little bit of 200 to 1 yesterday he's now generally around about 150 to 1 but that's still a cracking price I think um, he's still seeing a lot of these tracks for the first time at, at the moment but if you look at his Middle East form then that really does interest 7th in the Dubai Desert Classic um, 11th in the Saudi International he won the Qatar Masters which was the big plus point for me um, we see he went over to the Corn Ferry, didn't he? Tried tried his hand at uh, the Corn Ferry finals, and he just missed out. He was in a decent spot, you remember. He was going into the final event of the Corn Ferry um, playoffs. Oh yeah, I think uh, he was in the top twenty spots, and then he yeah. fell out. Finished twenty sixth or twenty seventh. Yeah. He missed mm. the cut, so I think he really he probably just needed to make the cut, and he would yeah. have been there in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in securing so. his uh, PGA Tour card. So. Mm. And understandably, that knocked the stuffing out of him a little bit, and he missed a couple of cuts when he came back to the European Tour after that. But he seems to have got himself together a bit now. Um, seventh at the Spanish Open, he was sixth going into the weekend in Turkey. And um, I think there's enough you know, flashes of form there to, to take a chance on him in a reduced field at that kind of price. 66th in the world rankings, he needs a big finish to this year if he's going to get himself back into the top 50. He briefly dipped inside it and then promptly fell back out when his form um, started to fall yeah. away. He was fringy President's Cup, wasn't he? When yeah. he was on that really good run. Yeah. And we've seen when he when he's when he's playing well, he's a very, very strong player. Um, and I think there's much more to come with. He clearly thinks that he's capable of playing on the PJ Tour and competing on the PJ Tour. So having missed out on his card, the next best has surely got to be to get himself inside the top fifty and to have another crack at getting a, a, another route into the PJ Tour for next season. But uh, yeah, I thought 200 to 1 was well worth it. And as I say, there's, there's, there's still a lot of 150 to 1 available now, generally this morning on Tuesday. So uh, um, worth an outside punt, I think, on Harding. And as is, um, Jorge Campillo, who's um, also 200 to 1. Again, he's been nibbled away at. There's um, a little bit of 200 to 1 at the time of writing. Um, and generally around 150, 175. So again, another big, long price. And it's another one who's um, really had his uh, breakthrough year this year, like like Harding. Um, six runner-up finishes before this year. Um, he looked like he's, you know, he was one of those perennial bridesmaids, wasn't he? You know, runner-up finish after runner-up finish, and he just couldn't get over the line. And um, finished second in Oman and then second in Qatar again this year, and it looked like that uh, trend was destined to continue forever. But a Sunday eventually went right for him. He finished um, ahead of uh, three other players at the... Uh, Trophy S and Morocco to take his first title, and uh, and we've seen it all before. I mean, form just fell off a cliff. He started missing cuts for fun. I think he missed seven out of eight cuts um, in the summer, um, and form fell away completely. And as did his uh, long game. His, his stats we were looking at were just really, really um, worrying from his perspective. He was missing fairways, missing greens, and putting awfully. I mean, that's a terrible, terrible combination. But he seems to have got himself together. 34th at the HSBC Champions, 28th in Turkey, 13th last week at the Nedbank. Shows some good progression. And his long game in particular is well back on track. He was leading the field um, at the Turkish Open, I, I think it was. And his greens in regulation at the other two events were really strong. So all positive in terms of the trend in, in terms of his game. He was ninth here at the Earth Course on debut in 2016. And there's a few other snippets of uh, desert-based form in his CV as well. So again, in a, in a, a limited field, um, that kind of long price where we could uh, potentially snare an each-way place and uh, 
get a lovely little return to finish off the season. I thought that was worth taking a chance on a couple of long shots um, to finish off the team. So do you want to recap your four? Yeah, it's uh, Lee Westwood at 60-1, to 1, Sergio Garcia at 50s, and then I took Harding and Campillo yesterday at 200-1 to 1 apiece. Brilliant. So yeah, that's me. That's me. That's you. Thank you for your European tour coverage this year, Paul. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. Just to clarify for people that might be listening for the first time, we know that the European Tour carries on next week, but uh, as a as a brand, as a website, we always take December off because at some point you need a break from it. <laughs> just for your own mentality. <laughs> just for your own sanity. Yeah. And uh, and we just take December off, so uh, no podcast until uh, the first week of January. Indeed. Right. So we've discussed the uh, Blue Ribbon event down in Dubai, which is always uh, very well covered, of course, on Sky. Um, let's talk about the RSM Classic, mm. which is the final PGA Tour event over uh, in the United States. Cool. We actually get some strokes game data this week. <laughs> we actually get Shot Tracker. Uh, wow. It's it's exciting stuff. Back to normality. I know. Um, the RSM Classic is a big field. They play it over two courses. The, the main course that plays 54 holes, if you make the cut, is uh, the Sea Island uh, Seaside course. And then there's a course next door, the Plantation course. One's a par 70, the host course. One's a par 72, the Plantation course. They're 7,000 yards, both of them. The 72 is just, it has to be taken apart. Mm. I think it ranks, uh, it ranked last year in the t- in the easiest 12 on the tour. Yeah. And that was when it was quite windy. Um, key elements, well, it's played on Sea Island, which is uh, basically on the eastern seaboard of Georgia. It's a golfing commune. There's a whole list of players that live around here or practice here in the preview. You can access it, of course, in the description. Uh, Jonathan Bird, Harris English lives here. Harmon, Zach Johnson, Keziah of the pattern variety. Matt Kuchar, and it, the list goes on. Uh, interestingly enough, last year, Charles Howe III used to live on Sea Island. Or I mean, these guys have houses bloody everywhere, don't they? So, yeah, yeah. Um, he used to have a house on Sea Island, uh, but he'd uh, sold that and, and his main uh, residence is in Orlando, Florida, but had played on the sea, uh, on the courses a fair bit and used uh, the, uh, the this as a practice base a lot of the time. Mm. Um, so two easy courses, the weather as well. Um, it's it's like every it's it's like coastal golf in general, isn't it? And you know, regular listeners will know um, these courses by the coast. If it's howling, if the wind is up, the rain's lashing down. Um, it's a, it's it's technical. Yeah. Um, if the wind lays down, temperatures are nice and warm. It's very low scoring. And from what I've seen, this part of the country um, in Georgia has seen a hell of a lot of rain. Um, far more than I've seen in previous renewals building up to this. I think it took over 100 mils last week. But yeah. this week looks like the fine weather. Huge, no, no rain. Um, and then 
we're seeing low winds Thursday, Friday. Saturday and Sunday, it'll keep them a bit more honest. Uh, 10 to 15 Saturday and 15 to 20 Sunday. So that, that becomes a bit trickier. Mm. Need a fast start. I think the last four winners of this have been leading going into Sunday. Right. You've got to be bang on the pace. Yeah, Kisner, uh, Mackenzie Hughes, Austin Cook, and also Charles Howell III. I mean, Charles Howell III, he hadn't won for 12 and a half years before winning this last year. <laughs> yeah, he must have amassed about 50 top 10 finishes in that time. Maybe. Well, the beauty was I tipped him up the week before at Mayakoba, missed yeah. the cut, goes and wins this week. It was one of those. Yeah, yeah, week after Ryan's. But that segues quite nicely here. The average price of the winner here, the last six renewals, if you look since we went to this um, wraparound, is 89 to 1. Mm. Now, Hughes skews that, 250. But even so, Howe was 50 last year. Cook was 90. Kisner, 22. Yeah, short. Uh, Streb was 75. Kirk was 50. So I, they're the waters I'm fishing in mm. this week. It's that juicy kind of uh, mm. punting um, area, isn't it? With a lot, a lot of and with some recent form, back. you can grab onto. Mm. But isn't Webb Simpson as short as seven to one? Yeah. Even though Webb Simpson will probably finish in the top four, that like he always does. But the fact of the matter is, as we as we said in the show earlier, he hasn't won. He's won once. Yeah, it was the Players Championship, twenty eighteen. Granted, he's won once since twenty thirteen, mm. and he's as short as seven to one with Unibet. Yeah, and as you say, he hasn't played for what, seven weeks. Seven weeks he hasn't played for. Um, uh, looking at the top of the market, Billy Horshaw at sixteen to one. It's another one of those. Well, if Billy Horshaw wins at sixteen to one, so be it. Matt Kuchar's at twenty. He's a he's a Saint Simon's Island resident, so next door. We've got the defending champion Charles Howe at twenty fives. Then we've got Harris English at thirty to one. With Kevin Kisner, who plays very well around here, Kisner. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he comes and bites me on the bottom after tipping him up and doing very little last week. Mm. And then you've got the likes of Scheffler, Hadwin, Knox, Dylan Fratelli. Alex Noren's gone over there because he, he hasn't qualified in Europe, so he's gone over there for a PJ Tour start. Uh, we know that he's on limited starts, so I think he's 126 through 150, so he, he plays where he can out there to try and yeah. get his card booked for this year. So for me, it, these this golf course features Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass, so gnarly as sin. I, for me, that's the gnarliest Bermuda Grass of them all. Yeah, grainy, Very, too. very grainy. Um, but I'm just looking for players who have got a track record by the coast, um, a nice juicy price, players that have shown some form recently. And, you know, ideally, of course, if you can get a player that's clearly played well here in the past, that's all good. And I actually, there was nothing really at the very top of the market that appealed to me at all, uh, which is rare. Yeah. Um, so I'm going for the following players. So a little bit of form, recent form. Few, a few, you know, decent outings. Players that have played well on this golf course. Um, that's where I'm heading with this. So I'm going for Brian Gay. One and a half points each way, fifty to one 
eight places each way with Paddy Power. Eight, uh, another eight places, genuine eight places with Paddy Power this week. Um, they've been absolutely outstanding in 2019, so congratulations yeah, to aggressive. them. Um, you just look at Brian Gay. I mean, I tipped him up at Bermuda a few weeks ago, didn't I? He finished third. Yep. And I just think at 50, twice a decent each way punt again. Um, he's got a fantastic record here. Um, a couple of top fives in his last three appearances. And as we know, he just loves playing well on these coastal golf courses that feature Bermuda grass or Paspalum, something like that. Yes. Fifth and sixth at the Sony Open. Eighth and seventh at Pebble Beach. First and sixth at Harbour Town. He was third at Port Royal a couple of weeks ago. He's been first and fifth at the Mayakoba Golf Classic. Uh, finished fourth in 2014 and third here in 2018. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's not it's it's not a deep thinking bet, but it's a bet that's absolutely cast iron in my in my opinion. Mm. Um, He's it, just playing some outstanding stuff. He was actually seventh here last year after fifty four holes, so he had a yeah. good good chance. Yeah. But he'd, he'd he'd gone into this event playing pretty poorly. But you actually now move forward twelve months to where we are at the moment. Twenty third at Silverado, he was ninth after fifty four. Seventh in uh, Las Vegas, second at Port Royal, and last week he was fourteenth, and he finished with that amazing round, which included a par three hole in one on the tenth yeah, last that's week. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He so won himself one of these um, sporty Kias, sort of fifty grand's worth. Very nice. Very nice. You know, what is there not to like about Brian Gay? Yeah, and these shorter tracks certainly suit him as well, don't they? So he's not, he's he can handle the, the wind. Lake. He can handle yeah, exactly. There, there's there's no negative side to not being the longest of hitters here. When I averaged it out, I mean the statistics here were quite um, they're quite wide in their aspect. Uh, you get different types winning these events. If I'm being honest. But if you look at tournament skill averages, so if I go 2010 through 2018, so Heath Slocum all the way through Charles Howard III and average out what they did that week. Proximity to hole 14th was very, very important. Scrambling, top 20. Greens in regulation, 20th. So not as critical as you would think. Mm, yeah. And you know, we've had some tournaments last few weeks and months where you needed to be in the top three, top five greens in reg. Not here. Putting average, ninth. It just screams Brian Gay, doesn't it? Short game. Mm. Proximity with the wedge, scrambling, putting. If you look at that from a strokes gain putting perspective, again, strokes gain putting's the key, 11th, which actually ranks strokes gain tee to green. So this isn't about huge, top-level, long ball striking. It really isn't. No, it's a bit more finesse than that. A bit more finesse, I think. And and just being able to um, take the opportunities that are offered and be strategic around a course, which you can't overpower, but if you play it fairway, good approach shot, putt, um, you'll actually make a very good score around these two two courses. Yeah. Next up, and I know, in fact, I won't, I won't even talk about it. I'll leave, I'll leave this individual to you. I'll move on. Um, okay. I've gone for Harry Higgs. Point each way at 90 to 1 again, eight places with Paddy Power. Higgs was the guy that finished second in Bermuda a few weeks ago. 
Um, he's a tour rookie, and don't forget, Mackenzie Hughes and uh, Austin Cook were both rookies when they won here in the two years prior to Charles Howe III. Um, Austin Cook that year was ninety to one. Harry Higgs is ninety to one. Um, he was not. He's been nineteenth at the Greenbrier, twenty third at the Safeway. In fact, I'm sure you mentioned Harry Higgs a few weeks ago before he really started hitting his straps. Second at Bermuda, and thirty third last week at El Chameleon. Mm. Some really nice stats. Top 40 for bogey avoidance, scrambling, and 43rd for scoring average so far after 10 weeks on the PJ Tour. He's 27th for proximity as a whole. And yeah, in Bermuda, another short Bermuda grass golf course a few weeks ago, shot 66, 65, 65, and then 68 when he was tied uh, in the final group on the Sunday to finish solo second. So he's playing some really nice stuff, Austin Kirk. Uh, yeah, Harry Higgs, yeah. It, it oh, sorry, Harry Higgs, yeah. Harry yeah Higgs. It wasn't a complete capitulation, was it? It just didn't, couldn't quite get the lowest, uh, lowest, lowest enough rounds. No, he couldn't. So. And I, uh, didn't Todd go seven or eight straight on the yeah. front nine? Yeah, just went bananas with his birdie mate. He didn't capitulate, which for me showed a level of maturity for a guy in yeah. his first final group on the PGA Tour. So, yeah. Um, his win this year... Bearing in mind, he's got six top tens already in 2019 and a win. Was at the Price Cutter Championship. And there's quite a lot of... You look at Austin Cook, you look at Mackenzie Hughes and guys like that. They've all gone well at the Price Cutter, which is they played this at Highland Springs. He shot mm. 22 under to win that. So he likes it when the birdies are flown. Yeah. And then I've gone for two more at triple digits, which is very unlike me, but I think it's that kind of event. Um, I've got a point each way, 125 to 17 each way with Coral on Mark Hubba Hubbard. You might remember Hubbard. He was second at Houston uh, about a f- month ago. Yeah, yeah. And already this year, this is his fourth year on tour. He's finished 10th at the Greenbrier, 13th at Silverado, and second at Houston. Bearing in mind, for the three seasons he played on the main tour, I think his best finish ever was 15th in Puerto Rico prior to this season. He's he's definitely jumped a level. Yeah, yeah, different step forward, isn't it? And when he was playing journeyman kind of golf, he one of his best ever finishes was here at Sea Island. It was the year that Kisner won. Uh, he finished in top 18 here, and he closed with the 67. He was 18th, and that's just the kind of thing I'm thinking, well... If you're playing really journeyman golf that no one ever notices, and now this year all of a sudden you're making top tens, you're challenging for victories, you're clearly a level or three above where you were. Yeah. If he arrives this week playing the time kind of top level golf that he has been playing, I think he's going to go very, very well. He actually started last week seven under 64 at El Chameleon. Mm. So got a nice start, fast start last week, did Hubbard. Texas resident. So that one catches my eye. And then finally, this commune um, is kind of a hub for southeastern golf in the United States. So they play um, at they play college university golf here. They play the SEC championship on this golf course, the uh, seaside course, every year. And there's a list of um, universities that play in it. Um, the likes of 
Mississippi, Texas A&M, Missouri, Miss, uh, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia. All of these um, universities play here. There's a team event, and clearly there's a as part of that, there's an individual event. Mm. Now, I list all this. I list it on the basis that a couple of years ago, Austin Cook had played quite well in those SEC championships. So when you looked at his interviews, he said, oh, yes. Um, you know, I've played around here three years running at the SEC. I know this golf course really well. So I, I now look at this SEC championship angle. I also look at the, uh, there's also an amateur event that they play on the golf course next door, the Jones Cup. And again, you can see players like Brian Harmon's done well there in the past. Peter Uline's done well, done well in the past, and he's had a top 10 around here. There's definitely carryover. Hmm. The one name, well, there was a couple. One name that really jumps out is Matthew Nee Smith. So that might be one for listeners. Matthew Nee Smith, he goes absolutely fantastically on Sea Island in these amateur events, but he hasn't really shown enough for me to merit not being in uh, or to merit being in the team. I could have uh, two hundred and fifty to one though. I think he's worth a, a couple of quid each way. This Matthew Nee Smith, he might just mm. pop up from nowhere. The other one, though, that we have seen playing a lot better this year than Nee Smith is Robbie Shelton. Now, this Robbie Shelton finished third in the uh, the SEC Championship in 2014. And then, lo and behold, 2015, so this is on the Seaside Golf Course, he finished third again. So, clearly, played for Tennessee, um, loves this golf course. He's also got a couple of top 20s at the Jones Cup next door at the uh, Ocean Forest Golf Club. But as we know with this Shelton character, he's actually hit his straps on tour, hasn't he, this yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, he's been doing... He's certainly been prominent, hasn't he? Five paychecks from seven appearances so far on the tour. He was seventh at the season opener at the Greenbrier, 28th at the Sanderson Farms, and sixth last week at the Mayakoba. So I'm taking a 150 to 1 punt with him with the Unibet, six places each way of 50 odds on Robbie Shelton, who seems to be a bit of a level above. He, he was second last year in the regular season on the Corn Ferry. And um, if you actually just look at his results from last this year on the Corn Ferry, second in um, Alabama, he was fourth in Texas. And he also got two victories on the Corn Ferry, both of which were in his home state of Tennessee. So he goes brilliantly in the southern United States. I just couldn't avoid putting Shelton in the team with that no, whole package, that whole picture. He's a big price. And you know, you were surprised, players. weren't you? I was, yeah. And um, you know, especially for someone who finished sixth last week. And there's, there's again this huge disparity between the bookies because some of them are going as short as seventies on Shelton, and as you said, you know, all the way up to one hundred and fifties with with Unibet. Mm. Uh, rare, rare that you big, see that level of disparity. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge difference of opinion as to how it goes. So, so that's four of my five. I will leave you because I know you've had one bet on this, and I will leave I you to talk through your bet and my bet because yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, in, I, he's I, in my team. Yeah, I was quite quite pleased to see that you'd included him as well. So, um, yeah, the only one I've bet this week is, although I think Robbie Shelton's got to go into the in, into the team. And um, the only one I have backed so far is Zach Johnson at fifty to one. And um, 
Oh, but Zach's a quality player, isn't he? He's had a poor season. You know, what's he, what's he been doing? Trying to get an extra bit of length out of his uh, game, or he's been, been tinkering. He's changed his uh, irons as well, I think, hasn't he? So yeah. there's, there's, there's been some changes this season, and um, it, it's been a poor year. No top tens, but over the last few weeks, we've started to see something of a renaissance. I think fourteenth mm. uh, at the Sanderson Farms, twenty third last week at the Mayakoba. Definite signs of improvement. The Open was 64 last week, which is best round on tour since January. So, that, you know, for a bit of, to, to instill a bit of confidence, to, um, to to see that his game's moving in the right direction, that's the kind of stat that's going to improve his mentality, I'm sure. His last top 10 on the tour was here 12 months ago. He started slowly with the 70, short 64, 65, 66 thereafter to finish um, seventh the year before that he did almost an ident- it, was, it was almost identical he finished eighth again he opened with a 70 then shot 68 64 67 to finish eighth so if he can get himself off to the kind of start that we saw last week at Mike over and um, then repeats what he did over the last couple of years he's going to be right in the mix in fact he probably wins the tournament if he does does what I've just described and um, irons have really been where he's been struggling, and again, just from eyeballing his game over the last few uh, last few months, it just lo- looks like he was really struggling with his distance control and also yeah, his he says he's been really his his strength. He's a Brian Gay sort, isn't he? But a far better <laughs> kind of version. He he's a wedge guy, isn't he? And he yeah. basically said he he just couldn't. He, his wedges have he's been struggling. All year yeah. with his wedges, wedge play. Well, absolutely. I, you were watching him from 100 yards out and he was putting it 30 yards to the left, you know. Well, not 30 yards, 30 feet to the left. And you, you you normally expect to see him dancing around the pins at that kind of distance. But mm. uh, um, but yeah, I just just again, eyeballing his raw greens and regulation stats from his last four or five starts, he's back into the 70s and 80s, which is exactly where Zach Johnson needs to be. And that just breeds um, confidence in his game. Um if you look, and again, you've included this in your preview, you look at Bermuda grass winners as well. He's joined top of that particular chart relative to the field here. So he's got four Bermuda wins over the course of his career, tied with um, Jim Furyk and Bill Hass in this particular field. Um, and he, of course, he gets to sleep in his own bed this week. You know, And again, that's got to be a real positive. He's not one of these younger lads who's going to be out partying all the time, I'm sure. Um, I'm no, sure some of them, some I think of them he'll see this as a serious opportunity. It was noticeable at the R, at uh, Mayakoba. He was desperate to get that finished. Yeah. He, play, he played through on the uh, Sunday. Yeah, 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 he wanted to be done, didn't he? He wanted Absolutely. to be home. He wanted to get home. I think he sees this week as a massive opportunity for him. And as we've said in the past... You know, Charles Howe last year. You look at Graham McDowell, 2015, Maya Coba, and there's a long list of players. You know, only recently, Brendan Todd. This kind of year, these kind of events, is is, is, is an opportunity for these semi-names or names to be able to end a a, a, a streak of not winning. Yeah. yeah. And he's and finished, is it seventh and eighth on his last two outings here? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he, yeah. seventh last year. He plays the thoughts. golf course regular as clockwork, Paul. Mm. Yeah, absolutely I th- I th- regular. As I clockwork. think fifty to one's got to be taken on yeah, Zach Johnson this week. Yeah, I think so. The thing that I've noticed with him is it, all of a sudden he's taking his golf a lot more seriously. Um, this is a quote from him: "I like the direction I'm going in at the moment. I like what my coaches are saying, the path they've got me on, and I know." 
that good things are about to come. He said that at Mayakoba last week. Mm. So I think it, I think it's all good at fifty to one, especially when Howe won at fifty to one last year. It's it's yeah, just yeah. the right price. It's the right price point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, would certainly appear to be that case. So we we tally up on on Zach, so he'll miss the cut. Um, <laughs> but yes, um, I have gone just to recap: Shelton, Hubbard, Harry Higgs. Zach Johnson, Brian Gay, and I would not put anybody off a big, a, a small little tinkle uh, each way on uh, Knee Smith. Matthew Knee Smith, 250 to 1. Don't shoot me if he misses the cut. <laughs> That's it, Paul. We're done. The podcast, done. Uh, the 2019 podcast are finished. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. Enjoyed it. Look it's been a pleasure next, having you on. Um, thank year. you to Brian. Um, well, Barry, I always say Brian, I don't know why. Barry, for all of his um, input over the year as well. Barry will be back in 2020. I think he's taken some time off golf. Uh, this time of year doesn't really, uh, and like a lot of people, he's just not into his golf at this time of year. But as soon as we see Augusta on the uh, mm. on the horizon, uh, Brian will be back regularly on the podcast Barry. next year. Oh, Barry, Brian. <laughs> I haven't even been drinking, but I, I am going to have a drink today after uh, the uh, last set of uh, podcasts, videos, and, uh, of course, the uh, previews that have gone out. Right, thank you for your time, Paul. Um, last thank you to all the listeners. It's been a, it's been a record year for the podcast. Um, the amount of subscriber numbers have gone through the roof. The amount of listeners that we're getting and downloads gone through the roof. So thank you, one and all. We will yeah. see you again um, after Christmas. Have a good Christmas. Have a good New Year. We'll be back for the Century Tournament of Champions. Uh, I think it's the 2nd of January, so podcast will be out in the week preceding that. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>